and welcome back. I'm your master of ceremonies, Thorn Rain. With me, as always, my two hosts. We've got Dragon Joe and Dungeon Kyle. How you guys doing this evening? Great, man. How are you? In there. Not too bad. I know uh, Joe had a rough one last night. He was out at the Cleveland Browns game. Uh, got that first uh, win of the season. The Cleveland Brown game. Uh, it's, it's it's always a good time when the Browns win. Uh it makes for a great week. So uh should make for a great show. Everybody's in high spirits. So let's get into this. We're talking about secrets tonight. So uh no news. We're gonna jump right into top three secrets. And I've got a secret because I left my section empty. Kyle kind of knows my secret, but Joe, why don't you give us the three secrets uh that you've had revealed in a game that stick out to you? Well, I'll I'll go in reverse order, starting with three. The first one came from Adventures League, and what happened was is we had this kid that was new to the game, and he's he's figuring out how to play, and he made the most annoying character ever. He made a halfling divination wizard with a lucky feet, and like these sort of kids, I want to strangle because. They see something fun about rolling dice all the time, and I want to strangle them. But he he kept talking up about how he he would control all the dice rolls and da da da, and making his guy real confident. And as soon as we get into the fight, the first thing this guy does is cut and run. It was the it it, it was uh, a joke that his his whole thing was his his wizard was a complete coward. He talked a big game and then once he showed his true colors it was boom like he cast fog cloud and ran away that was great. and it it was one of those things where like i don't think he intentionally did it but it's just the way it sort of happened and sometimes a secret doesn't always like a secret fear or a secret um uh, something that happens like that it's organic. It's it's not planned, and that's what really happened with him. Uh, the second one was from a campaign I DM'd, and uh, what happened was I had a player death, and it was actually my first player death. And I communicated with him. I'm like, there was literally no way to resurrect him because he got melted in the stomach of a ramaraz, and. I uh, ended up talking with the player and I was like, well, I've got a great intro for you because they're about to meet a, um, a skyscraper and I want to make you the captain. So build your, and I told him, I like, you could make any class, any, you know, any race, whatever. I said, how do you feel about being a skyscraper captain? He was all for it. And he gave me his as it was like a paragraph of the his backstory of this skyscraper captain, and in that paragraph he said that he'll do anything to to uh, because he kind of got shanghaied, and he basically put in his backstory that I'll do anything to be free with my skyship. and it inevitably led to him betraying the rest of the party. Like they all they all jump down and are looking for this thing in the forest, and 
he tries to stealth off and run away and get back to the skyship first, but ends up uh they end up basically fighting with the rest of, he fights with the rest of the party trying to run away with the skyship. And it was one of those things that the rest of the party was sitting there going, What is going on? And I'm like, He put this in his backstory. This is totally expected. And then uh but it was it was one of those things that he's like his goal as the skyship captain was to get on that skyship and run away, I mean, and he I almost got away with it. He if almost it wasn't got for away you with meddling it. kids. There's meddling adventurers. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the last one is is one of my most is one of the characters I'm still currently playing, um, Logan, and I put in his backstory that he's he's the type of guy that I, I I said submissive, but I think it it was more of he in any sort of social situation with with the women, he isn't gonna make the first move. The girl's gonna kind of have to make the first move. And it turned out to be a, a very comedic effect because while he can be, He's one of those guys that once a girl starts to show interest, he can be led along by her little finger. And the rest of the party hadn't even known about this because of the fact that the rest of the party is all guys. Um, our DM is a girl, but it's one of those things that it, it up until that point, it hadn't been relevant. And she rolled on a random encounter table and lo and behold, the random encounter she had was succubi trying to seduce members of the party. And Are I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I'm a hundred percent honest. She, she said it was on her random table. It was one of the like 20 encounters. Got and the it, it, it was one of those things that she initially was like, she initially didn't want to be like, all like that having cliche. to role play that, and uh, well, you no, know, she didn't want to. She didn't want to have to be role playing it. Is I think her whole thing because it's like I don't want to try to flirt with you, sort of thing. Totally understandable, but it was one of those things that she ended up like her and the rest of the party ended up cracking up the, uh, about the whole thing because of the fact that me and another member of the party uh, basically get over uh and they try to kill us and eat us in the process and oh. it was it was one of those things that okay we didn't see it coming and i'll, I'll say that she laid some telltale signs but it was one of those things where that's the way that i play you got to play the character because that's how that's how he would act and it, it it ended up being rather comical when I had my armor off and and running back to the party screaming in my uh my my britches basically. And <laughs> it it was it was one of those things that I can mention this to any other member of the party and they'll they'll start laughing about it. So what what were your big secrets, Kyle? So I I kind of just play my characters straight up usually. So I don't have any like 
major secrets other than I'm just an asshole when I play a rogue. <laughs> so I don't play yeah. rogues. But I'm going to go from the secrets that I revealed on my group as a DM. And which I, I'm going to start with the one that surprised me to the point that I had to stop the game and stat out a character that I did not have stats for, but I was role-playing with because it was, you know, one of the top baddies' entourage. And the party's like, yo, screw you, we're going to go fight. <laughs> so it was... um. It was a one-shot that I did with a friend group for, like, a bachelor party, and there was a three-part war faction of a group, and one of them was a dragon ambassador, and he was a very snooty dragon ambassador, and he was kind of a you-know-what to the party, and they didn't like that, and so they started going. Lo and behold, they did not know he was a dragon ambassador. They, he, <laughs> he was in his polymorph form. He was a, a human. So they just thought it was a dude, just a snooty, like, librarian, basically, talking all this crap. When I had to stop the game, they were like, oh, crap. I had to stop the game and stat out this character because I'm like, all right, we're going to actually fight this. <laughs> so we're going to fight this. When they did that, the whole time I'm behind the DM screen statting out this character, I hear them murmuring about, well, what did we do? Did we mess up? Like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was great. You know, it was just that little secret of, he's an ambassador. You don't know that. They don't know anything. As soon as they go, okay, we come back. Boom. Drops Polymorph. Reveals he's a dragon. And they're just like, oh my god, what the... You know. So, that one was one that caught me by surprise. Because I wasn't expecting them to do that. Uh, My other one that I really like is... It's honestly just my favorite one. So there was another one shot that I was doing at a convention just for fun. I was DMing one of the, the convention games and it was a new player. And they were just exploring. Like, you know, if you put somebody in a new video game and gave them a controller and just they started doing stuff. So somebody shrunk, used reduce on a small character that they were with to make him tiny and it, the person went down in between the crack of this like center pedestal because it was like a rotating mechanical thing that came up to them they activated it so I didn't have this planned at all but that was extremely creative and everything so I'm like Cool, I'll reward them. So I, I literally let them go down. She finds a chest like it's in the Zelda hideout little alcove. And I'm like, she finds this like uh, 
it was a chest and it would, I, I'm like well and then you find some really soggy boots like they're just really waterlogged kind of moldy they just you touch them and you're just like that kind of slimy so fun fact they went four sessions i think or it was like a one sh- it was like a one shot type thing or it was like four sessions or four hours like it's really hard to explain how it was running but they went four things without identifying them once i identified them they were boots of flying <laughs> and they loved them it was just like it was that little <laughs> you've been walking around with this great item that would have helped you in several times that, that's one of the worst feelings in the world is when you get the, the dm gives you an item to help you and you ultimately go eh, i'll stick this in my bag for right now yep and it's like i'm trying to really help you guys and i was rewarding your creativity and you did no, nothing you with just, it you just found some soggy boots good job guys <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. And uh, okay. Yeah, honestly, you have, I don't have that many you, secrets. No, I play my character straight up. So, all right, Thorn. What good secrets did you have? None. Uh, the funny thing is, <laughs> is quite literally all of the games that I've played up until the campaign that we're running with RDM uh, on Sundays uh, have been homebrews. And they've just been pretty straightforward, like, nonsensical type things. Um, all of the newer ones only lasted two or three sessions, and then the group fell apart, and then I got another one. So I've never really been in a campaign long enough to do anything that has a secret. But RDM uh, had recently told us that after this session, uh, the next campaign that he was going to be running would be um Strahd and I have baked in two pretty large secrets into that character um that I cannot dive into because they haven't happened yet but I already have the whole secret messages with the DM on how we're setting this up um and w- we do this this episode, and I'm like, I've got these two really cool secrets, but I can't talk about them because I haven't done them yet. So, um, be prepared. Um, it's it's going to be. I feel like the first Sounds one. The the first one is pretty big, um, and it's going to be a giant shocker, and I really love it. And then the other one, it actually falls into one of our topics down here, which I can't tell you which topic, but it is on this list. So uh, let's roll into the main discussion here, which is the best ways for a PC to have a secret. Uh, Joe, lead us off here. You kind of put together a list and Kyle chirped in. I'll draw, I'll jump in here and there as we go along. Um, And I think... I, I I was doing this when I was out on my lunch break, so that was part of it. But uh, I I love that the first thing that he's like is secrets 
are best when you set them up with the DM. It's it, it it's terrible to have a secret and then be like like the DM be just as surprised as everyone else. It's great to have that like partner in crime with the DM and the DM know about it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, great. This is a chance for you to reveal that or for them to find out about whatever it is you do. And I broke down like a list of things uh, that you can have as secrets. Um, the, the first one is fears. And I, I think there's, there's a really interesting thing about secrets and fears because like there's some fears that are like like fear of water or fear of heights or uh, claustrophobia um those sort of fears are great because it's like until you're put in a situation where it comes up it, nobody knows about it but as soon as it, they find out oh you have a fear of open water okay we're going to be on a boat for the next three months crossing You're the screwed. largest ocean in this world. Yeah. All, yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden you're, you're, you're like clamped onto the freaking mass of the ship and it, it's, it's trying to overcome that fear. Uh, same thing. If uh, you, you have a cluster, like I, I've always thought it'd be interesting if you had a claustrophobic PC that 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 you then play um out of the abyss which is set in the underdark and i'm just like that would be the most epic of like someone in constant fear for their lives because they're you know the walls are closing in and it would only add to the the stress and the the madness that already is happening um the second thing that i i I think is really good is if you have something hidden about your identity. Um, I, I won't say who, but I've recently listened to the, um, the critical role one shot run by Ashley Johnson. That is a like space themed. I, I don't even know what to call it exactly. Cause it, it felt like they were using some call of Cthulhu rules, but it was set in space. And there were like one person was a frog, one person was a um they you, you found out one of the characters in the the crew was a synth, uh you know, like yeah. an artificial life form, yeah. and the only reason they knew that anybody knew anything about it was, oh he, that p c got splashed, and instead of dripping blood they dripped this white milky liquid and that was the only way that they could tell them apart and that that was a great thing because all of a sudden it was like whoa that's that that's you know yeah but like you gotta let your dm know this like that kind of goes up with the... and, and, and that's um I remember hearing another story where someone was a changeling, but they were trying to pretend to be a halfling and they didn't, um, the DM knew about it, but the thing was, is until there was a point where they were in a fight that they got knocked unconscious 
and changelings revert back to their natural form when they're unconscious. And it was one of those things that all of a sudden this PC is trying to explain themselves that like, I I wasn't trying to deceive you. I was just like, that's who I really feel I am. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a whole identity crisis almost. Um, but is there any other I like things that you can think of that's uh, kind of identity ridden like that? That's a great secret to have for a PC. Yeah, anything like uh, like the lycanthropes, anything that like you're a shifter or you're a genasi or something, something they can. Man, genasi, my bad, wrong one there, but. There's a one race, I can't remember the name of it. It You can look like a human, or you can look like something weird that you can choose. Hmm. It's like, I'm not sure. Yeah, you can, ha- you, you can have those kind of secrets of, like you said, just, I'm in fear for my life. I don't, like, I don't fit in here. If people knew who I was, they'd kill me instantly kind of thing so well, I, I did this that that actually leads into another one of the uh the things i have is i i called it family or connections and it's oh i went adventuring and didn't tell these guys that i'm a i'm actually a you know noble prince that i just wanted to get out of the house you know and it's like there, there's at some point you're going to bump into somebody that knows you or somebody you have to call in a favor so we can get on a ship and go to where we're going. And you have to use those. It, it's when you're forced to use those, those connections or to go visit a family member that you were like, dang it, I got to go talk to my dad because he has that sacred sword that we need. You know, something like that. Yeah. I, 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 and, it's it's one of those things that if the DM uses it right, it, it makes a great plot point and it, it tells a lot more about your character. The the one show that I'm currently listening to, uh, there will be dungeons. That's basically the whole premise behind one of the characters. Uh, noble blood, like, is part of a rich family sent off to uh, like a boarding school, basically, and she secretly sneaks out at night. And goes on adventures with a, uh, like a monster hunting guild. And I think that the, like the noble blood, um, royal family thing kind of is one of the easiest, like, secrets to pull off. Because it's, hey, I'm just a regular old Joe. And then you go into a city and somebody recognizes the player and it's like oh by the way my parents are rich um out of all of these secrets like fears would be could be difficult to play because if you give it up it can be used against you hidden identity again you know it's a little bit more trying to keep it a secret um, but like the family connections, like it just seems like it's so easy to be to play into that type of uh, of secret that I feel like it's the most well used. Well, 
I, I, the other thing I was going to say is that it doesn't necessarily have to be family. Um, maybe you're a soldier that got dishonorably discharged, but you still have connections in the, uh, the king's rank, you know, the king's army, um, or the city watch. Maybe you have uh, a connection with a thieves guild, and because that you're you're able to, you know, talk somebody down. Like, come on, you little street rat. I'm, I, I'm a, I was a lieutenant here before I left. You're you're not gonna, you know, stuff like that. So I mean, there's always interesting ways that you can have a connection that isn't a isn't like a direct link to your family but like your your background and something like that yeah um the other one i have on here is past trauma and this one's a little bit more tricky because it's it's basically what i i, I like to call a hot topic like you have people have those topics that if they they talk about certain things they get like real emotional about and, and it might be one of those things whenever someone talks about a dragon a uh, dragon killed my mother i'm i hate dragons you know it might be uh uh like a mild oh. racism to a race because because their their family was killed by elves i don't know mm -hmm. the whole premise of warlock makes a uh contract on huh? Right. I I mean, you could even that that would be another uh thing is if you uh if you're a warlock and you have some old powerful patron and you don't want to tell tell the rest of the party about your patron or anything, you know, you're like, I just have magical powers. I don't know what you're talking about, a patron. You know, something like that, that they have to try to dig and find who is your patron, what do they really want? You trade your soul for a a, a D10 cantrip, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, like there's there's a lot of things there that it's that 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 past trauma of like losing a, a sister or losing a brother, um, something that just makes you it could drive you, it could just raise some sort of emotion in you. And I think those are good because all of a sudden, you know, like the a character suddenly is is acting different than they normally would, and they don't give a reason for it. But the DM, you know, kind of knows, oh, this has to do with their past trauma that they haven't shared with the rest of the party yet. All of a sudden, it it changes that player's attitude toward. Um, the you know the party and the npcs and it makes it a lot more interesting yeah and there's something that, like when you see a character acting and you're at a table and you see one of your party members acting differently or handling a situation differently and you see the dm just letting it happen and that they're okay with it then maybe at least when i'm like at the table, I sit there and go, okay, let's role play this and jump into it and be like, and start being there like, hey, is something bothering you kind of thing? Like, but it's like 
a whole window into a role play session then it's i would say it's more of a doorway than a window because it can lead to better role play yes and um yeah you added a couple notes on here uh what what were you talking about with uh uh backstory elements so Thorne kind of touched on this. If you're going to have secrets, weave them into your backstory so you can pull them out when you're out in the world. Or you can utilize them if you need to. Like, Thorne, you said you are keeping two secrets for your current character. That honestly is pretty smart. It's Weaving your secrets into your backstory and clearing it with the DM is one. It's one, it gives your DM a hook for a backstory hook. So that's great. Yeah. Second of all, it Matt goes was super excited when I told him my idea and he instantly was like, I've got the perfect setup. Like, I, I think the DMs love when the player can give them a little bit of direction and then give them that open platform to kind of play with not only the story of the campaign, but specifically tie in a character in a section of the campaign uh, based on their backstory. Yeah, it's great when you have a player come to you with a backstory to begin with. It's even better when you have a character or a player come to you with a character's backstory going, Here's the outline. Here's some plot hooks I left for you. Do what you what you want. Well, and uh, conversely of that is, if you've ever been a DM and you ask for backstories from everyone, and you get that one player that doesn't give you a backstory, and uh, this is this is a lot of faith and trust in DM, but they they have a backstory like Molly Mock where he woke up in a grave on the side of the road and don't remember anything. Yeah, all I, of a sudden... that person. <laughs> well, all, all of a sudden, it's like they run into uh, someone from their past. They don't know anything about it, but the DM is playing it up. Oh, hey, I know you. Hey, your name's Lucian. I know who you are, blah, 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 blah. How are you doing? And they're playing it off of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see you too, uh, guy. And it, it's all of a sudden you're you're talking to him and going, "We need to get out of here because this guy is going to be bad for business." Yep. But at the same time, it also raises that drama and that what is going on? Yeah. So if you weave it into your backstory, it's great to pull from. And then I have, like, my second point to this is you weave it backstory elements that allow secrets to be made because of flexibility. Like, be leave your backstory open rather than super strict, and you can watch, you can pull a lot more secrets out of that open backstory you can than a very strict, here's what I did. So, absolutely. Um, 
I just I'm a more flow with the go with the flow guy. Um, I know the other thing that, and we're, we're talking about this a little bit, is that with secrets, you're able to increase the drama of wh- whatever it is you're doing. You know what I mean? And because of that, it's it's able to push different things together because of the fact that all of a sudden uh, someone reveals a secret and they're like, wait, what, what do you mean you turn into a werewolf? You know, what do you mean you're, uh, you're actually a changeling? Pretty big you secrets. know, what happens if you go over a cliff? You know, it's all of a sudden you're asking all these questions. And sometimes players may not have an answer for it. And it's up to the DM to be like, well, it make a roll for it. You know, see if they, they if you get sucked down one of the vents. But yeah, I I think that's the the biggest thing that I could think of is that you have all these different ideas that you're trying to increase drama with. So then uh, you guys set up the uh, the encounter of the week. I I was like I said I had a long weekend in a in a drunken haze. Felt like I was in a Dwarvish Tavern. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let uh, Kyle go first. You... All right. Because his is kind of interesting um, using that that monster compendium that, he's ha- that he has. Um, mine's straightforward, out of the book. Well, at least Kyle tells me that mine's kind of brutal but we'll we'll talk about that so kyle we'll take us away on yours all right yeah at quick glance yours is kind of pretty harsh and at quick glance i honestly think i went easy on this one so we so we did a level 10 six uh party of six uh boss fight so i kind of went with a water leviathan monster type thing uh, it's called the Isad. Can can one of you guys pronounce this? I can't. I'm I'm not one hundred percent. Isad. That's the closest I could come up with how to pronounce it. I S O N A D E. So it's yeah, a gargantuan monstrosity. Uh, creature <laughs> and it can only live in the water so I would run this with uh, they're doing like a coastal or like an island or even like a boat campaign so this thing is huge it has immunities like out the wazoo and it can do earthquake three times a day control water three times a day it can create storms and tsunamis once a day. This thing is just holy crap, not to mention it loves to eat you. So if you get swallowed, you're taking about thirty to forty points of damage each round. Yeah, it's you're not gonna survive very long. Yeah. And you can 
I don't know. Do you guys have this pulled up? Because the wording on this ability, I kind of want to see what you guys would like play this as. But it says that you can have up to uh, you can have two large, four medium, or six small creatures swallowed at a time. So, my question to you is that you can eat and swallow that many of that size, like out of a group per round or is that total like have inside your stomach or the creature's stomach i i personally whenever i'm running something that can eat somebody i personally if if one person gets swallowed i usually just leave it at that and have it keep attacking well, yeah, and this actually has the wording in here and everything for, or if the creature does damage on the inside, like if it's right, uh, right. But um, what I was gonna say is everything kind of does that. Like, uh, dragons will have an acidy stomach. Um, different, you know. Remoraz is one of my favorite creatures. They have acid damage in the stat block of them being on on point for if you're swallowed you did get this much acid damage and you're restrained until you either it dies or you either get cut out and i'll never forget the uh they currently they, they had a uh, giant companion uh with them and the but I, I had the giant basically holding up the axe over this remoraz saying i can cut him out but i don't know i don't want to cut him in half and they're like one of the players goes, make the cut, and he made the cut, and I rolled to see if he cut, cut him in half. You know, it was one of those things that he didn't, uh, he didn't cut him in half, but they didn't find much left of the body. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles. Well, and they were, they were already at a level where they could resurrect, could have resurrected him. And I made a ruling, and like there wasn't enough left to resurrect. Yep. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But so this thing is 222 points. It can only stay in the water, though. So if it is attacking a coastal city, it's just going to constantly send tsunamis and like little water elemental spawns. So yeah, you're, uh, you're forced to go and have to take care of this, or whatever the the coastline is, is would be destroyed. So that that's exactly. the bait to get out to the to the you know the monster that you're you're having to take care of. Well, okay. So my point to that is, you have to go out to the creature, which is my point exactly. But as you're going up, you're get, you're going against a tail slap with a 14 to hit with a 15 foot range. A bite with a 14 to hit with a 15 foot range that gives you a chance to roll, or you have to roll on a DC, or you get swallowed. Like, you get a multi attack. This thing is nasty once you get to it. But theoretically, they could just let it <laughs> beat the crap out of the coastline and just move away. Mm -hmm. So. I guess there's that, but I don't know. And then uh, I'm a 
firm believer in uh, reskinning abilities or monsters. So there's this really cool like construct called a living wick in this book of monster compendium I have, and they're basically suicide bombers, <laughs> but they're <laughs> Yeah, like you have to like light the wick on them, and then whoever lights it can mentally control them. And they have an intelligence to do whatever, but you just go, I kill this guy, I kill the knight, and they will run off. And they literally can come up and they'll slash and do all that, or you can command them to explode. And it forces, they concentrate all their magical ability inward and then outward and literally explode. For 2d6 of fire damage. So what I did was I reskinned these guys and made them into little superheated water elementals that he can send into the land. That kind of forces them to come out and do something about him. If not, people just get, you know, suicide bombered. <laughs> so... That's my encounter. I honestly think it's a, I mean, comparatively, it's a lot easier, but you say you have a different take on this, so let's hear it. All right, so my encounter, according to what I've been told, is ridiculous. We're going with an adult blue uh, Draco Lich and six cultists. Now, on the surface, that sounds absolutely insane because... It's set at a deadly difficulty. Um, but the way that I'm setting this up is uh, we're doing the final boss. Like, this is the big bad guy. Y you walk into a room and you just see a floor littered with bones and six cultists praying. You, the party enters the room, initiates with the cultists, and... There's a door on the backside. They want to get to the door. They have to go through the cultists. They kill the cultists. The problem being, the blood of the cultists are what activate the adult blue Drekulich. Um So I you're like not that. That's a good twist. You're not actually fighting the cultists and the Drekulich at the same time. Uh, but with a party of six, level tens, six cultists are going to be very, very easy. It's going to be a very confusing moment for the party. They're like, we're level 10s, and it's a room with six easy cultists. Like, what's going on? But the second that that sixth cultist dies, and its blood hits the ground, uh, the ground rumbles, and up comes this adult blue Dracolich. Um, And I wanted to keep kind of in the, the vein of the episode, and we're talking about secrets. This is a secret encounter. You did not know that the bones on the ground would end up being the the true fight of the room. Um, and I mean, I wanted to go big. I like I didn't want this to be a small encounter. So, um, I mean, the blue Dracolich is a CR seventeen uh, armor class of nineteen. It's got three legendary actions that it can take. Um, at the end of en another creature's turn, and then it regains these on its turn. So over the course of these six players going, these three 
uh, legendary actions can go off. Detect where they can make a perception check. Uh, they can make a tail attack and a wing attack. The wing attack taking two actions, but this is something that during each of the player's turns, once this uh, Dracolich comes up, their turns themselves become a danger because now they can be attacked and uh, potentially found out through the uh, the detect uh, legendary action on their own turns. Um, I like the idea of it. Uh, I'm kind of stealing it from some World of Warcraft uh, bosses that I've played against in uh, many expansions when I was a World of Warcraft player. Um, Burning Crusade. Uh, oh man, I can't even remember the dungeon's name, but it, it was you killed six cultists and then from the ground rose this giant demon orc. Um, and that was kind of what uh, I was... I know what you're talking about. That's... Uh, ramparts. Hellfire Ramparts. That's what it was. Yes. Um, but this was, this was kind, that was the basis of this, but I wanted to go big. I wanted the, the giant undead dragon that these cultists were worshiping for. And they did not realize that their deaths were the inevitable catalyst to summon this, uh, this undead into the room. So, um, I don't think it's as hard as what it says because you're actually fighting them in two separate things. It's not like you're having to deal with Well, like the, the six Dracolich. cultists are only one eighth and anybody knows that level ten adventures will You're basically uh, one shot them. Yeah, exactly. A cantrip can one shot them or yeah. pretty much one shot them. But like I look at I'm looking at the stat block and yeah, it, it's going to be a hard fight, but yeah, it's definitely not it's as not bad as, as what it made it out to be. Yeah, it's not as deadly as it's like lighting up no, on D&D Beyond. It, it's going to be one of those fights that you got one, one, maybe two chances to mess up, and that's about it. And if, if I was DMing this, I would also very much, if... If an AoE spell or a spell that hit multiple targets went off on a cultist that was standing on the bone pile, I would give the players that damage because you would be damaging the bones of the the Dracolich. So there would be ways around adding in a little bit of extra damage prior to the, the main fight happening, uh, but they would not know that. Like, they would have to kind of get lucky i guess uh on that scenario though as would anybody that's happening upon us yeah <laughs> a very large undead dragon so uh, joe you have any comments on either or um like basically i like both of these um i like both of these encounters um, the, the living wicks, I think are interesting because of the fact that they're like, like you said, suicide bombers, they, they run up and suddenly boom, and it's just enough damage to make you worry, especially if there's, you know, 10 or 20 of them that, yep. that alone could, uh, you know, kill a party or extremely set back a party's resources. And then on top of that, you throw the, 
I, I the us uh, us uh, what did we decide it was? A sonade? Uh, good job. <laughs> right. It works for me. I tried. And then um I mean whenever you put a Draco Lich in a game, it's it's gonna be memorable. And uh, especially with something as powerful as that, you'll get to see a paladin shine. You'll get to see a cleric shine because of the fact that they're uh, uh, radiant damage. I think I think that they they they're weak. The uh, Drago Lich is weak to um, uh, radiant damage, right? Um, Looking no, fifth edition they they didn't really give weaknesses. No, yeah, it's just resistance immunities and condition immunities. They didn't yeah. have a, a weakness. Okay. But I am looking at this. The DC for his abilities, this Draco Lich's abilities, is quite a bit. Right. Like, the lightning breath is a dexterity save of 20. Your frightful presence is a wisdom save of DC of 18. Like these are pretty pretty high here. Your wing yeah. attack uh your wing attack layer action dexterity saving throw is a twenty one. Yeah. So this like, this would not be an easy fight. No, this would be one of those you're not gonna block, so you have to make what you, you little actions you do have count and mm -hmm. people will drop. This is definitely a People will drop encounter, but it's definitely doable. This would honestly kind be kind of fun, especially with six For people. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like you get six on one, I think will be it, it would drop quicker than what's kind of expected here. I mean, it's yeah. got it's got high hit points, but I mean, six level tens, if exactly. played correctly. Could chew exactly. through this this health pool pretty quickly. I was gonna say like the biggest the biggest thing that the um the party's gonna have a problem with is that if they have uh melee classes, barbarian, fighter, uh paladin, um and this is able to fly, I mean yep. that's gonna be your biggest problem of oh hey, it can fly. And yes. now your wizards between that now your wizards between that trading on um, yeah the, the wing attack on on like melee is really rough. Mm -hmm. And I mean it's two d six plus seven. It's it's a decent amount, but like it's a survivable amount of damage. But it's one of those things where if you can't counter it and you can't return any damage to kind of keep it one for one, you're, you're kind of in a jam. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, uh, did we have anything else? I, or is that a wrap for this week? I think that is everything for this week, and we're coming in right, at, right around on time because... I'm going to have to leave here in a matter of minutes to drive and pick someone up. So let's wrap up shop here. Uh, 
if you're an audio listener, head over to Twitch, twitch.tv slash dragonheads. Uh, hit that follow button. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Hit the subscribe button. We are affiliates. Uh, you can do it for free. If you have Amazon Prime, you will get the one free uh, subscription a month. Uh, we'll help out. It'll still trying, uh, to get, still trying to get Kyle a camera. It'll, it'll unlock the, uh, the yeah. camera mode for Kyle. Uh, that's the first yeah. big thing that we're going to be taking care of. Um, but other than that, you can find the show over on Twitter at DragonHeads2. And email the show, DragonHeads216 at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, if you got suggestions, you want to hear us talk about anything specific, shoot us an email. We'll definitely check that out. Leave it down in the comments on the YouTube channel or under the tweet over on Twitter. Join us on Discord, discord.me slash DragonHeads, and follow the show right here on Twitch, like I said, twitch.tv slash DragonHeadsPod. We record Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Our intro music is a self-induced psychosis by my buddy, Mr. Kyle Wynn. This has been the Dragon Heads Pods. Thank you for stopping by. Get out there and slay some dragons. Hey, good luck, adventurers. Get easy, guys. See you next week. <laughs>